0: This is a recording of The Time Is Past A Note on Samuel's five year prophecy by Neil Rapley, published in Interpreter A Journal of Mormon Scripture, read by Victor Worth. Abstract The story of believers being nearly put to death before the appearance of the sign at Christ's birth is both inspiring and a little confusing. According to the Book of Mormon, the sign comes in the ninety-second year, which was actually the sixth year after the prophecy had been made. There is little wonder why even some believers began to doubt. The setting of a final date by which the prophecy must be fulfilled, however, suggests that until that day there must have been reason for even the non-believers to concede that fulfillment was still possible. Yet, after that deadline, it was definitively too late. An understanding of Mesoamerican timekeeping practices and terminology provides one possible explanation. One of the more interesting and more perplexing stories in the Book of Mormon is that of Samuel the Lamanite's prophecy and its fulfillment that Christ would be born in five years, Helaman 14:2 through 7 3 Nephi 1, 5-21. Samuel's prophecy is made at some point in the eighty-sixth year, Helaman 13, 1-2, and declares, quote, Behold, I give unto you a sign, for five years more cometh, and behold, then cometh the Son of God to redeem all those who shall believe on his name, Helaman 14:2. Yet as the ninety-second year commenced, the sign had not yet appeared, 3 Nephi 1, 4-5. At this time, some began to say it was too late for Samuel's prophecy to be fulfilled, 3 Nephi 1.5. And it is easy to understand why the 92nd year was the 6th year since the prophecy had been given, see figure 1. Of course, Samuel's prophecy need not be fulfilled literally 5 years to the day, but even some believers began to doubt, 3 Nephi 1.7. Despite believing that the time had passed, the skeptics set apart a specific day in the 92nd year as the deadline for the prophecy. Literally, they planned to put to death all who believed in the prophecy, except the sign should come to pass. 3 Nephi 1.9 Given this was a planned mass execution, it is safe to say this was not an arbitrary date. There was probably some reason for even the unbelievers to think the prophecy could potentially be fulfilled before that day, and for believing that after that day it would be definitively too late for the sign to come. So, for this whole story to make sense, there must be, one, good reason to think the prophecy should have been fulfilled by the end of the 91st year, yet also, two, good reason to think it could potentially be fulfilled if it came by a certain day in the 92nd year and 3 good enough reason to think that after that day the time for fulfillment was definitively past hence those who persisted to believe deserved the death penalty it's not hard to find a good reason for the first of these propositions the 91st year was the 5th year since samuel had prophesied John L. Sorensen noted this chronological discrepancy, pointing out quote, the fulfillment of Samuel's predictions should have commenced in the ninety first year. The initial fulfillment is instead reported in the ninety second year. Close quote. Thus, the people's expectation that the time had passed quote, would make sense in terms of a five year prediction. Close quote. At some point during the 91st year, five full years had passed from the day Samuel prophesied. Thus, with that year's completion, it had already been more than five years, and many naturally felt the time had passed. But what made even the skeptics think that there was potential for the fulfillment before a certain day? And what made them confident that after that day it was definitively too late for the sign to come? One potential answer to these questions can be found in a Mesoamerican setting for Samuel's prophecy. Samuel's Prophecy in a Mesoamerican Setting Others have already talked about how Samuel's time-specific prophecies are consistent with important time periods in the Mesoamerican long-count calendar system. John L. Sorensen, John E. Clark, and Brande Gardner all noted that Samuel's 400-year prophecy correlates with a major time unit in the long-count the Bakhtun, which consisted of 400 Tunes, 360-day years, see below. Only Mark Allen Wright has pointed out that the five-year prophecy correlates with the Hotun, another significant time unit. Sorensen did notice another Mesoamerican connection to the five-year prophecy. When the Spanish arrived, some Mesoamerican groups had the custom of prophesying the outcome of the next Katun five years in advance. Samuel was similarly predicting the outcome of the upcoming Bakhtun, Hilman 15, 5, and 9, five years before it began, Hilman 14, 2. While Sornsen cautiously acknowledged that the evidence for this custom was from 1,500 years later, and we cannot be certain the tradition existed in the first century B.C., the comparison is nonetheless interesting. On the other hand, we can be confident that the long count was known at the right time and the right place. The earliest date recorded in the Long Count system is 36 B.C. and comes from Chiapas, Mexico, near the Grijalva River. Sorensen and others place the greater land of Zarahemla in Chiapas with the Grijalva River as the Sidon. So archaeological evidence attests to the use of the tune and the Long Count system in the same time and place as Samuel the Lamanite's prophecy. The Mesoamerican setting for Samuel's prophecy also provides a solution to the confusing details about the timing of its fulfillment in an interesting way that preserves the accuracy of Samuel's prophecy and potentially sheds light on other aspects of Nephite chronology. The Hob and the Tune Ancient Mesoamericans had two different time periods that served as a type of year. One was a 365-day cycle, typically called the hob, and the other was a 360-day cycle, commonly known as the tune, and part of the Long Count calendar. While the terms hob and tune are frequently used by scholars in a way that distinguishes the 365-day period hob from the 360-day period tune, among the ancient Maya the terms were interchangeable. This is made clear by Michael D. Coe and Stephen Houston, who described the quote hob of three hundred sixty five days, but then while discussing the three hundred sixty day tune, noted quote, in a switch sure to confuse modern readers, the tune was really called hob, close quote. Lars Kirkusmo Faro said the long count used a quote hob of three hundred sixty days, close quote, and then explained quote tune is the Yucatec word for hop." Which is a Yucatec designation for a year of 365 days, close quote. Faro laid out an entire Hob-based lowland Maya terminology for the long count system, quote, with Yucatec designations in parentheses, close quote, as follows. Peak, parentheses Bakhtun, 144,000 days. Winikab parentheses Katun, 7,200 days. Hob, in parentheses Tun, three hundred sixty days Winal slash Winik twenty days Kin one day. The exceptions to this Hob based terminology were five year intervals in which quote the classic inscriptions of the southern lowlands employ the designation tun for periods of five Hotun, ten La-Hun-Tun, or fifteen Ho Lahun tun close quote. John S. Justison and Terence Kaufman likewise explained the interchangeable use of these terms, noting that the long count, quote, used 360 days as a canonical year length. Among the Mayans, the word hab, year, was used for both this period and the older 365-day year, close quote. And the, quote, tune referred to anniversaries using either year length, and not, as is often stated, to the 360-day year per se. Close quote. To avoid confusion, the convention of using hab for the 365-day year and tune for the 360-day year will be maintained throughout the rest of this article. But it is important to remember that among the ancient Maya the terms were interchangeable, and periods of either five habs or tunes would always be called a hotun. Samuel's Hotun Prophecy, Five 365-Day or 360-Day Years If the Nephites and Lamanites lived in Mesoamerica, they most likely would have been familiar with both the hob and the tun, and like the Maya, they probably would have used the same word for both types of year. Thus, when Samuel made his five-year prophecy, he would have used the Nephite equivalent term for hotun, which would have referred to five hubs or five tunes. Which makes for a difference of twenty-five days, see figure three, this in turn could have led to the scenario found in third Nephi one some perhaps everyone initially may have interpreted the prophecy to be fulfilled after five tunes when five tunes passed at the conclusion of the ninety-first year, Sceptics began to rejoice, close quote, arguing, quote, behold, the time is past, and the words of Samuel are not fulfilled. Therefore your joy and your faith concerning this thing hath been vain, close quote, 3rd Nephi 1-6. Some who believed even feared that they may be right and were very sorrowful, 3rd Nephi 1-7. Others, however, did watch steadfastly for the prophesied sign, quote, that they might know that their faith had not been in vain, 3rd Nephi 1-8. For these steadfast believers, the possibility that Samuel meant five hubs may have given them hope that it was not too late for the sign to come. The skeptics had to acknowledge this as a viable interpretation of the prophecy, so they marked the day five hobs would be completed as the final deadline. If the sign did not come by that day, quote, all those who believed in those traditions should be put to death. 3 Nephi 1:9. Implications for Book of Mormon Chronology This solution works best if the years the Nephites were counting off from the start of the reign of the judges were toons, 360-day years. Otherwise, the passing of the 91st year would have also concluded the passing of the 5th hob since Samuel's prophecy, and there would be no additional 25-day period to hold out hope for. This would suggest the other Nephite year systems, counting from the time Lehi left Jerusalem and the counting from the time the sign was given, were also tunes, since these three calendars were in sync with each other, 3 Nephi 2.5-7. Proposals by previous scholars that the discrepancy with the 600-year prophecy can be solved using tunes, and correlation with Nephite destruction and the Baktun cycle further supports this possibility. Ultimately, however, it must be admitted that this is just one possible explanation for the confusing situation set out in 3 Nephi 1. Whereas there is no way to prove this or any other explanation, the additional Mesoamerican connections found in Samuel's prophecy lend support to this idea. At the very least, they suggest the solution to this and perhaps other chronological puzzles in the Book of Mormon can be found in the calendrical practices of ancient Mesoamerica. Neil Rapley is a research project manager for Book of Mormon Central. He blogs about Latter-day Saint topics at studio at This has been a recording of The Time Is Past, a note on Samuel's Five-Year Prophecy by Neil Rapley. Originally published in Interpreter, a Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 29, 2018. Read by Victor Worth. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged, the journal and its website are credited, and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.